1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws?
Hello everybody and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro and it's been a while, but J. David Weeder is back. How you doing, Dave? Great. It took me a little bit to remember how to, to hook up a microphone tonight, so. So before we get into this really quickly, are you doing anything on the podcasting front right now besides being the primary editor of Toontrek? Uh, not anything immediate. Towards the latter part of 2022, I hope to get that ramped up as other things in my life start to calm down a little bit. So at this moment, I'm, I'm just doing Toontrek and then uh, doing some some learning to be a biblical counselor, also running, training for a 5K and then a 10K. So there's a lot of plates being spun at the Weeder household. Okay, well, good luck with everything that you got going on. And uh, maybe at the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit about what you're thinking of doing at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, but for now, we are here to take a look at The Batman, the new newest in the Batman movies. Uh, and when this came out, I quickly got a message from you saying, do you have any plans to do The Batman? <laughs> if not, dibs. Dibs, uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, I, I granted those dibs because I didn't have any immediate plans. And uh, I made you wait until it came on to <laughs> came on to HBO Max because I just was not up to go into the movies to see it, especially when I heard that it was three hours long. Uh, so we watched it last week, and I kind of half-watched it a second time just to try and be a little bit more into it for today. Uh, but before I go into my thoughts on it, I'm very curious, since you came at me so quickly wanting to do it, I'm curious as to what your... And what for, first of all, how did you see it? And second of all, what your initial thoughts were? Yeah, I saw it opening night. Uh, well, not the preview, but a Thursday night and went in with no expectations. Kind of went. I was expecting to wait for streaming, but my brother wanted to go and wanted to double date. OK, let's let's do that. And walked out um, just blown away, just absolutely blown away. I had no expectations and they exceeded far beyond what I could have had for this movie. Everything that I thought wouldn't work worked spectacularly, but I won't get too far into that yet. Okay, yeah, and I'm going to want you to, to give me more of that uh, and give me details as to, to how that worked out. I have to say, I'll give you my initial impression, is there are a lot of pluses to it. There were a lot of things that I liked. I liked the acting. I liked the overall directing. Uh, but there was something about the story... And I'm not sure exactly what it was. I still can't put my finger on it exactly. But where I didn't feel that same immersive effect where I that I often get with the, with the movies I enjoy the most, uh, where I, you know I start feeling for the characters and I start really caring about the characters, uh, and and I start forgetting that I'm watching a movie to some extent. And I never really had that in this. And I'm like I said, I can't exactly put my finger on why. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, honestly, that I think I would have enjoyed it more if it had been a little bit more judiciously edited. I don't think it needed to be quite as long as it was. Uh, there were scenes that kind of felt like it felt to me like Matt Reeves was trying to give it a chance to breathe, which I usually appreciate in a movie. Uh, but there were points where it because I wasn't totally immersed that as it was breathing, I was starting to like phase out a little bit. Mm. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, initially I did get some positive reviews from people who I know and I respect, uh, 
about the movie, so I kind of let my expectations go a little higher than I probably should have. I try to avoid any expectations when I can. Uh, and and I can go into a little bit more of, you know, my own personal taste in, you know, what I look for in these movies. Uh, but I'll do that, in a, in a, you know, as we go on. Uh, Matt Reeves, who directed this, did, you know, the, the last two of the Planet of the Apes movies, which I loved. Uh, so I, I, you know, that also allowed me to have higher expectations for it. And again, like I said, I can't really totally put my finger on it. I almost felt like the Catwoman aspect of it was not totally necessary to the story. Like if you had just cut out all of her parts, I don't know that the, that the movie would have necessarily suffered for it. Even though I thought Zoe Kravitz did a really nice job of acting in it. Uh, and I thought she made a good Catwoman, but just the same, I don't know that it added to the story. So, so you and I are kind of attacking this on different, from different angles. Uh, I, I want to focus a little bit on the positives before I get more into my negatives, because my negatives are very vague, as I already said. Uh, I thought the acting was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Pattinson, I really enjoyed the way that he played Bruce Wayne as this person who was kind of removed from everything. You know, the way we, we've talked about in the past how how Clark Kent is the true identity and Superman is kind of an act he puts on, whereas it's the total reverse for Batman. Batman is his true identity, and Bruce Wayne is like his public persona. Uh, in this, you could see he had like very, very little public persona. He didn't, you know, he didn't go out there and do things. His whole life was being the Batman, uh, and I kind of liked the way that was played. He almost seemed, you know, like a misfit. He didn't seem like the suave, uh, you know playboy you know he, he didn't seem like tony stark uh and I, I i liked that about it so that's one of my positives uh i thought you know as i said i think the acting was just about all around solid jeffrey wright as commissioner gordon or as just as james gordon in this is excellent I, I haven't seen jeffrey wright in anything yet that i don't think he's excellent in agreed so you know i, I thought he was he was well cast um just to, you know, Paul Dano as the Riddler, I think that was a case of kind of subverting expectations as far as the type of actor they put into the role. And I thought he did a really good job of playing the part they gave him. Uh, it was just so different from the Riddler I'm used to that it, it took me out of it a little bit. But again, I don't think it was the acting. I think it was more the writing there. And it certainly served the purpose that they wanted it to serve, but I almost feel like it would have been just as good if they if they had just made him some other type of serial killer and not the Riddler. You could have done something along the lines of Zaz or something like that. I, I see that. Um, I think it worked. It was a very different take, so I, it kept me – it subverted my expectations, as you said. I didn't know exactly what they were going to do with this version, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. And he, he almost reminded me of in the comics when, you know, when they started the, st- the Hush storyline with, you know, in the mm. band- bandages and all of that, you know, when he had the, the, when he was totally covered up as the Riddler. And, and there was a, uh, a, you know, a connection to Hush when they actually had that word on the screen. Uh, so, that, you know, it was, I, I think, you know, we could be going there at some point. Uh, 
Um, keeping keep, keep going. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Now, if that I've, doesn't win an Oscar for best makeup, I'm going to riot. Oh yeah, well the makeup <laughs> is outstanding. I've I've heard some criticism of the portrayal, much like or similar to what I said about uh about the Riddler that it, it isn't the Penguin that people expected. But I have to say, in this instance, I I really like what they did because I think the Burgess Meredith Penguin is uh, is something from the 1960s, and I don't think it should find its way to the big screen again. Uh, you know, I love that in its own world, but I like the Penguin as a more serious character, as somebody who's mm-hmm. not you know walking around with the top hat and the monocle and the the umbrella and and, and quacking as he walks. Uh, I could do without that, and you know when they, when they did it in the past, and I don't want to go too far into that, but like when Danny DeVito did it, uh, I don't think it was as welcome as what I got here. I like this. I like the idea of Oswald Cobblepot as a uh, you know and an, a a criminal you know lounge uh, operator, uh, just you know just kind of in the underworld behind the scenes a little bit you know everybody knows he's crooked but you don't know what you could do with him there's just a lot of like the aspects of that where it adds a little bit more subtlety to it and it just gives you a lot more that you can do with the character you know you you can find a way to make him into a, a serious threat uh you know as a schemer uh and and with the power that he has through the mob uh, so i i kind of like that and i liked his performance and i'm i'm totally on board with that what did you think of uh, of him? No, I, I liked it a lot. I liked it. And that was a depiction that I think Chuck Dixon did in the comics where he was the iceberg lounge owner. He was he was a mafia uh, right. hitman or not hitman, but mafia boss, essentially. And that worked. That made him a credible threat. It, it ingrained him into Gotham and that works here. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I saw it a little bit in the uh, when in, in the TV show Gotham. You know, they, mm. kind of, they kind of did that a little bit, but you know, the whole thing about Gotham that that just kind of turned me off was the 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 way that they had uh, a little too much going on before Batman actually existed, a little bit too much of the Batman mythos before we actually had a Batman. Yeah. So I I like you know I like this better as things are developing at the same time. Now one of the characters in this that I think is worthy of talking a little bit more about is Andy Serkis as Alfred. And, you know, Andy Serkis has obviously got a connection to Matt Reeves because of the Planet of the Apes movies. But here we see him, you know, with no CGI, uh, which is in and of itself a little bit of an event. Uh, you know, he, he's been in the Marvel Universe as Claw, and now he's in the DC Universe. Uh... I think we could go back to the Batman TV show and work every live action iteration of the Batman mythos that's existed since. And I don't think there's one time where they had cast somebody as Alfred who I didn't like. No, agreed. I mean, you go, you got strong performers across the board for that character. I mean, you've got other side characters that perform better, worse, but Alfred has been consistently great in every iteration. Yeah, I, I in in this one, you know, he he seems, you know, he's the only one who knows everything that's going on. He's the one who seriously cares about Bruce 
and, and is concerned about what's going to go on with him. Uh, and I think he played that well. I think, you know, Andy Serkis, I, I said it when he was doing all the CGI stuff, that he was a better actor than people could realize because because there was so much cover-up with the CGI. Uh, and now that, you, you know, you get to see him once in a while in a, in a performance like this, uh, I, th- I think it comes, it, it shows that he is, a, you know, a decent actor or a good actor. Oh, yeah, most certainly. And I remember his casting was the moment, you know, my eyebrow went up like, oh, OK, maybe this is worth seeing. Because you had him and Jeffrey Wright. I'm like, OK, wait a minute. We're going outside the box here. And I like it. Yeah, I, I like that aspect of it as well. Uh, any other? Well, I guess, you know, we mentioned I mentioned Zoe Kravitz. Uh what did you think about my take on her that I gave you earlier? I I am a I'm a Catwoman fan. She's my favorite Batman supporting character. So I was glad to see her and not only that, I was glad to see a good representation of Selena. Her motivations were clear, her reason for being part of the story was clear. Mhm. Um and I think yeah, you you could have done without it, but I think that the tragic side of things wouldn't have been have come out like the ending which I don't want to spoil if nobody's seen it, but just the way that worked and Bruce's realizations as you go through the movie wouldn't have hit as hard. So I think she's a motivator for him transcending what he was at the beginning and becoming who he becomes at the end. All right. You know what? I mean, I can see that and I, I can see that she did, you know, she, not only did she bring something to the part, which I think I've said, I thought she did a good job of acting in it. Uh, but I also think, you know, you know, you are right that I believe she brought something to Batman's motivations and his self-realizations and that type of thing. I'm just not sure you couldn't have done it without her and saved a lot of screen time. Uh, and, I, you know, usually I'm, I'm, I'm a glutton when it comes to things like this. You know, if, if I like something, uh, I, I want more, you know, so in this instance, I'm a little surprised that, that. I felt like it was almost too much of a good thing that we went on for three hours. But I think part of it, and, and I'm having a tough time remembering specific instances, so I apologize for that. But as as the movie progressed, there were points in it where uh, we'd be saying, well, why is he doing this? And I, you know, like, I just couldn't say why. <laughs> and, and, and it was more or less like, well, you know what, we got to just roll with it and keep going and, you know, almost treat it like, like I've said so many times, like I do with James Bond movies, where it's, you just got to accept he's doing it because, or because, because of plot. Uh, and there, there were a, a number of instances where that occurred in this, and maybe it's my own weakness that I couldn't figure out exactly why characters were taking certain uh, courses of action, but... Like I said, that that lack of motivation in certain instances took away from it for me a little bit. See, I feel like well, there were instances of where that occurred, but I felt like most, if not all of them, were explained by the end of the movie. There were very few hanging plot threads, and those that were were set up for a sequel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll accept that. You know, and, and say maybe that was my own weakness and when, when I was watching it to some extent. Now, commenting on the directing, uh, I thought the direction slash cinematography was absolutely beautiful in a lot of the scenes. Yes. There were just some shots where, where it, it took me out of the movie in a good way, 
where I'd be looking and just marveling at how, how the scene was composed. Uh, and, and just, you know, I really enjoyed certain choices that Reeves made in that respect. Uh, you know, it, it was just a, a very, very handsome movie for what it's worth. You know, I agree. And he let Pattinson have moments to not be in motion to, and, and you can see he's actually taking in the scene, like in one of the first scenes, either at a crime scene, he's absorbing everything. Mm-hmm. And he allowed that. And I mean, first and foremost, this was a detective story that we've been promised for so long. We, we were promised that with Batman forever. And we got a couple of riddles and we actually finally get a detective story. And you see Batman in his first scene being well in his second scene, being a detective. Right. And that was when I, when I had my buy in, I'm like, I'm in, you've, you've got me. Yeah. I mean, I liked, you know, where they were like, what, what is he doing here? I, I invited him here. Uh, you know, and he's just checking everything out and he's seeing the things that the police aren't seeing, you know, which, which you know, he is supposed to be like second only to Sherlock Holmes as far as his, mm-hmm. his detective ability goes. And we've, we've heard so many times, like, this is the one where you're going to see him being a detective. And we, we never did see it quite as much as we saw it in this movie. No, I mean, the entire story is a mystery and it, it keeps you guessing. I mean, even if you know the comic lore, the, and, and I'm going to come back to the directing in the second. The plot takes you there and Matt Reeves lets it sit. So it takes you organically. Right. Like you said, it, it has moments to breathe so you can absorb what's happening. Fair enough. That's I mean, I this, this is the thing is I talked about what my negatives were at the beginning. And I'm going to you know expound on that a little bit more for, as it goes on. But the positives clearly outweigh the negatives. Don't. You know, I, I don't want to make mm-hmm. it sound like I hated this movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there just were things about it that, that I let my expectations take me a little hard, a little further than I needed to be. Uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of criticism over the years that I've been hearing, or actually I've been hearing an increased amount of criticism as time is going on of kind of the Marvel formula of making the movies. You know, they were loved, loved, loved. You know, they, what do they say? It's It's... Everybody loves to root for an underdog, and then everybody loves to root against it once it, <laughs> once the underdog becomes the, uh, the favorite. Big dog, yeah. Yeah. So you know when 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 it was Marvel Studios producing Iron Man, everybody was on board. Now that now that they've had you know several billion dollar movies, it's like oh, I have to find things to complain about with them. Uh, but I have to say I've been a, uh, I, I I've been eating up that formula, totally. You know, there's, yeah. there, there's, you know, varying degrees of, uh, of, of enjoyment, but there still has not yet to, there has yet to be a Marvel Studios movie that I could say I didn't enjoy. Uh, and, and, you know, while I haven't done it on the show, I would put the Eternals as probably my least enjoyment and I still enjoyed it. So I've not even seen the Eternals. It, it, the problem with the Eternals, and uh, again, I haven't reviewed it yet, but and I probably will at some point. But I think that they could have easily cut about a half an hour out of that and, and tightened it up, and it would have been—I think it would have been more enjoyable. Uh, but you know, be that as it may, I am totally on board with the formula that they that they use, uh, and I think the formula varies from movie to movie. But there is a certain. Uh, certain thing that the viewers are looking for that they try to give you in each movie 
and you know there's certain action sequences and certain action beats and certain personality beats that they try to hit on with each one of them and and they sat I, I find them very satisfying that way this movie because it was a detective movie it was slower moving it didn't have really the action beats i mean there were there were plenty of action scenes but it did not have the the, the knockdown drag out action that you see in other movies and while that's not necessarily a bad thing it because i'm so you so dug in with that formula now uh you know it took a little bit away for me personally mm. if that makes sense i get it and with dc they have yet to find a magic formula um, this one, I wouldn't say found a magic formula. It found something that works for this movie as its own entity. Yeah, but because you, okay, you get to a point where you, you're moving into the third act and you don't realize, oh, there's a whole other act here. Mm-hmm. And it takes you down a completely different journey. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different things that we get in this one that... Uh... You know they, that we don't, you know that that it, it's again, you know, I, I mentioned subverting expectations. Uh, there's definitely an element of that in this movie. It's not giving you the, okay, here it is by the numbers. You know they're, they're you know they're, they're taking you along and then they're making some left turns where you expect them to make a right. Uh, and and again, there's more action. Well, there's more detective work than action. Uh, while there is action, you know, you, you never see, you know, like the big final battle between Batman and the Riddler, you know, that there, there isn't that kind of thing going on in here. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit different. And perhaps when I give it a true second viewing, which I will at some point, uh, perhaps then I will grow, I, I will appreciate that letting it breathe more than I did in my first viewing. And I think I might have appreciated it more if I had seen it if I had seen this one in the theater as opposed to seeing it at home. That's a good question. Yeah, because with the theater you you don't have the distractions that you do at home. Which I the, mean, you've got one job, and that's to watch this movie and and to see how long I can go before I have to go to the bathroom. Uh, okay. But not this, it But but you know when when I gave my initial criticism which i think you know and as i'm thinking it through here as we're talking about it part of it was that i did not feel that i that it was totally immersive for me and i think if i had seen it in the theater it would have been more conducive to immersing immer, immersing myself in the movie and I, I believe it was um even with that when you get to the everything following the big batmobile chase it begins, the pace changes. And, I mean, you've had all these intense scenes and suddenly it becomes more of a slow burn until you get right up to the cusp of the third act. Right. So that stretch was a little bit frustrating. Not because it was bad, but because you're like, okay, we're heading towards the end. We're heading towards, oh, we're not done yet. So what do you think of the fact that this movie was originally going to be Ben Affleck? And I don't believe it was going to be this movie. I think it was going to be the Batman. But I think in the instance when Ben Affleck was doing it, he was going to write and direct it. Yeah. So that obviously Matt we're Reeves not getting talked the about same that movie. Script. No, Matt Reeves talked about that script being more James Bond like. 
just world-spanning cameos. And I'm kind of glad we didn't get that because unlike Marvel, DC can stay, his characters are iconic enough that they can have their own bubbles. I mean, Shazam is, is a certain tone versus something like Aquaman. They can, they can stand on their own and have their own franchises without intermingling. Well, I think that could be a strength. It's one of the things I, I, you know, no pun intended. It's one of the things I marvel about with the Marvel movies is that they do have, I do think they have their own voice. Uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is very different from Captain America Winter Soldier. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's very different from Shang-Chi. Uh, and that's very different from Spider-Man. And yet somehow they managed to merge them all together to do the Avengers movies. Uh, and, and they have, you know, the, them cross each into each other's worlds in the movies. And I think all of that is great. Uh, but on the other hand, I think if you try too hard to imitate it, then it becomes obvious that you're trying so hard. And that doesn't mm-hmm. really work. And I think we've seen a little bit of that with, you know, what went on with, you know, Batman v Superman and some other things that they've done. Uh, so I, I think they would be better off. They would have been better off or they would still be better off if they will give each one their own little world and then they start to mingle them. The problem is then time becomes an issue because when you cast somebody in a role, sooner or later they're going to age out of it. Uh, you know, in in that respect, it's kind of cool that they have Robert Pattinson because he's still relatively young and you figure he could be Batman for quite some time, whereas Ben Affleck is considerably older than him and, you know, would only have a limited lifespan in the role or a more limited lifespan. So, yeah. uh, you know, I do think there's things they could do. And, and I do believe, unless I heard wrong, that Reeves is planning this as a trilogy I don't know if it's a trilogy. I know he's got a second movie in the works. I think that has been more or less confirmed. I mean, recently confirmed as we record this. Right. Uh, and I can only imagine that it's going to be, you know, much like uh, with the previous Batman movies, uh, you know, the second one looks like it's going to probably be the Joker. Yeah, uh, you know what? That was one of my negatives when I left the theaters. I, I didn't think they needed to shoehorn the Joker in again. However, then I saw the deleted scene. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it definitely changed my mind. Now, you know, from from what I've picked up, uh, you know, it's we're seeing a Joker in development at this point. He's not quite there you know, to the Joker that we know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where they go. I almost kind of like the Joker, you know, if, if if he can kind of be a background character a little bit, almost, you know, like Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was, without spoiling too much, that was a little bit how it was played in the deleted scene, which is available on YouTube. I've seen that it's on YouTube. I just haven't had an opportunity to sit down and watch it yet, which I do plan to do. Uh, which I probably should have done before we recorded this today. What do you think of the music in this? I love this score. In fact, the, um, the the music from the Batmobile chase is on my running mix just to get me pumped and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend using it when driving. You might get a little too aggressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael Giacchino is just becoming, you know, the modern-day John Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as as John is getting older and less and less active, uh, Giacchino seems to be you know handling all the major movies as they come out. 
Well, he's done this. He did Spider-Man. He did Star Trek. Um, and they all are very different scores. So he has a broad range. Yeah, I first became aware of him when he was doing Lost. Mm, forgot about that. And, and from then to now, he, he's, you know, he, he went from, uh, you know, from that to becoming a household name. And, you know, when you think about it, there aren't a lot of score writers uh, who are household names. You know, there's a lot, as as geeks, we know a lot more of them than the average people. But, you know, you mentioned John Williams to just about anybody, they probably know who he is. At least they know something, you I mean, from Harry Potter, Indiana Jones. I think Chicano could, that could be his future. Yeah. Um, he's moving time. into other areas of filmmaking, too, so. It'll be interesting to see where, where his career goes. I, I agree with you. I thought this was a really good score. Uh, and, and I thought it, it, it did what I wanted to do for a movie. Is It it, it energized you. It, it was there to be heard. But it never took you out of the scene where you're paying more attention to the music than you are the scene. Mm-hmm. And yet you can listen to it stand alone. And it's, you know, pretty, like you said, pretty exhilarating. And it had a mood of its own where, I mean, I like Hans Zimmer a lot. I like the score for his Batman trilogy, but they didn't have much of an identity. I mean, you don't hear it and immediately think Batman. No. When they released the preview track on this, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So, you know, I'm just looking at some notes on this thing. Kind of interesting that, uh, that you know, they filmed this through the pandemic. And I think it's it's a, a sign of what they could do. You know, even with the limitations that were, were given. And sometimes, I'm not sure in what ways this may or may not have affected it. But I, I have found that in some ways, when you hear about limitations that were imposed on filming of different movies and different TV shows, those limitations serve to cause the director or writers or whoever to become just much more creative in how they do things. You know, the most famous thing is uh, the shark not working in Jaws and, and them yes. having to, to get around that and, and having it become so much more suspenseful because of the way Spielberg did it. So... You know, again, I'm I'm kind of giving this as a hypothetical because I don't know specifically. But since they filmed this through COVID and achieved it the way they did, just if nothing else, like I said, from the cinematography point of view and, and the acting point of view, uh, maybe there were moments here where they had things that they would have done if things had been different and they had to change it on the fly. And I think it worked to their benefit. I think so. Um, I, th I know the biggest change was they, they went from location shooting to an indoor set. But I think that helped the mood of the piece. And I'm, I'm getting through you know my notes very quickly. So uh, the other, the other, I guess the only other comment that I had was really just that this is clearly, you know, Reeves, Reeves apparently, you know, did his research and it looks to me like it's clearly got several forms of inspiration, including the long Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Batman year one, Batman year two. Uh, th there seems to be a lot of little things that are coming from those. Uh, and it, oh, you know, oh, and it, it looked like there was possibility of, you know, 
building like a lot of mythos, like maybe having the, the court of owls, uh, from the comics, which is, uh, you know, something that I thought was really cool when it came out. One of the few things that I've read in the last few years that I really liked, uh, by Scott Snyder. Uh, so th- there was, there's just a lot of things. Oh, you, you know, no man's land looks like it got touched on mm-hmm. you know, zero year by Snyder and Capullo. Right. Cause of the flooding. Right. So there's, there's a lot of stuff here that, that, you know, shows, uh, that he, he did his homework if nothing else. Uh, and I, I suspect that he may not have had to do his homework and just may have been a fan of it to begin with. And, you know, was able to incorporate a lot of what he wanted to do. Uh, and it would be a lot of stuff that we'd want to see as well. And I think for the most part, he was successful. His his mentality was, I may never get a chance to, to work on my favorite character. So let me put everything in that I can. And I, I, I don't blame him. I don't begrudge him that. I, 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 you know, I, I'm, we talked about Pattinson earlier, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but uh, not only did I like his Bruce Wayne because of the way he was disassociated from society, but I also liked his Batman. Mm-hmm. Very quiet, introverted, didn't, you know, didn't share his thoughts with anybody, uh, went about his business, uh, clearly had, you know, a, a, a strong trust relationship with Gordon, but not really anybody else to speak of until he developed one with Catwoman. Uh, I, I think this is one of the better performances as Batman. I believe so. I, and I like that. I mean, you, he hadn't had a chance to develop the Bruce Wayne public persona. So you got this. You didn't have the dichotomy there. He, he really played it as one character with, with a few, you know, variations on his personality, but it, it was very good, and I would forget that I was watching Pattinson. It was like watching an animated movie. Hmm. That's an interesting way to think about it. And, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else? No, I mean, just if uh, just to build on that, if you told me in 2008-ish when I was watching Twilight, not by choice, but by marital duties <laughs> that this guy would be an awesome Batman. I would have just called you a flat out liar. And here we are. Great Batman. One of the top. Yeah. I, uh, I do not disagree with you there that, that his performance is up there. I, I, I'm trying to think of like my top performances in this role. Uh, Keaton is my favorite. To perform the part. Um, and I think he may stay as my top, but this is probably number two. Yeah, I think I'm in about the same. I mean, not counting Adam West, of course, but yeah, I'm in the same range. And so I'm going to I'm going to take the first stab at, at rating this one, even though usually I'll throw it out to you before me. But I'm going to say that. While I felt myself disassociated in some respects, and because of that, had a tough time emerging, you know, immersing myself into the movie, um, that did create a little bit of a problem for me. That when it was done, I was saying to myself that I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Uh, but I even said then uh, immediately afterwards, I, I was in, I was on the phone with uh, one of my brother-in-laws and we were talking about it. And I was saying, 
he he had seen it in the movies and he said he needed to give it time to sit and resonate that he walked out of the movie theater not sure how he felt mm-hmm. and i was kind of in a similar boat so it loses a little bit of points for me because it didn't immediately catch in my mind on the other hand as i said i think the acting was top notch i think the directing was really sharp i think it could have been edited down a little bit Uh, i think the score was really good uh i think the story was solid but again i would have tightened it up just a little bit uh so overall i i think you know it's one of these movies that i'm going to grow to appreciate more and more as time goes on uh so i can't give it a jaws because that's not that's not the description of jaws uh but i can give it a jaws too and possibly as time goes on it'll climb higher within that jaws 2 pantheon where it'll be you know like a high jaws 2 mm-hmm. but that that remains to be seen that's just a a possible prediction for it what, what do you say I'm not far off from you. I, I really, I was immersed in it and it kept me thinking. And I, I mean, I've been listening to the score and um, I really enjoyed it. It's not a perfect movie. So I do give it, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the runtime, which is one of those, like, I really want to sit down and rewatch it, but I have to clear out an afternoon or an evening. Um, I love every performance in this movie. Love John. We didn't mention John Totoro as Falcone. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. John John Totoro is good in everything. Exactly. Um, so I ended up right in this weird zone where it's just it depends on the day. It could be either a very low Jaws or very high Jaws two. It's right there. And I'd have to lean to a very high Jaws two just because Jaws should be reserved for perfection, like Back to the Future. Yeah, well, my my thought on again, you know, I, I always say that I, I'm happy to. Uh, to to indulge everyone's own definition as to where things go and and to accept everyone's opinions on things but for me personally it's almost like the uh the early definition of pornography it's uh, you can't really define it but you know it when you see it there you go (laughs) so you know for something to be jaws it's it's you know i i try to define it you know what makes you know, when you have two really good movies and one of them I, I'm ready to rank as Jaws and one of them I'm ready to say is a Jaws 2, how do you make that, dis- you know, how do you distinguish them? I can't always put it into words, but you just know what you feel about it. And for me, this is a Jaws 2. Uh, and like I said, as time goes on, I get the feeling I'm going to enjoy it more when I have a chance to get into it more. And again, I'm going to have to pick and choose my moments, like you just said, find an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Or a night when there's no distractions and nothing else that's going to be clogging up my headspace and, and go into, you know, the big screen TV and, and turn on the surround sound and really just try and emerge, you know, totally immerse myself into it. And I think at that point it will be a higher Jaws 2. I could see that. All right. You know, mine might come down. I think I think we're going to end up in the long run probably meeting in the middle, probably about the same spot. That's that's that definitely sounds like a possibility. So that said, uh, thanks for coming on. First of all, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And you and I haven't had a chance to actually speak in a while. No. Uh, what are you thinking about doing at the end of the year? I, you know, having mentioned that, you know, I'm, I'm 
studying to be a biblical counselor. Um, I kind of wanted to do something with that in a, in a Mr. Rogers style where it's not overt, uh, but kind of talk about um, different counseling topics via a pop culture. Uh, what I came down to, fittingly enough, was uh, perhaps a Batman show where we kind of talk through some of the villains or themes, etc. But that's many months away. Mm-hmm. As I'm like, I mean, right now my calendar is pretty full, spending a lot of plates. What is uh, Professor Allen's from darkness to light or something like that? Yes, from darkness Which to is light. Similar in its own way. Uh, yeah, I mean that that could be really interesting, especially. I'm trying to remember what I, I saw something along those lines in in you know in in print where it talked about like the uh, well it was it was it was, le- it was it was less religion and more philosophy. It was yeah philosophy or psychology yes. And, and they, I, I know, can't they, remember the name of it. I think there's actually a show that does that. That that could be a fascinating topic. The Arkham Files. That that's the one. It's the the podcast that does it. It's an actual psychologist who goes through and talks about uh, the psychoses and effects and so on and so forth of these villains and well, and not just villains, but the heroes, the sidekicks, Alfred. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it could definitely be a fascinating topic, and uh, you know, you're, you're the guy to present it. I appreciate that. I mean, you definitely have a niche audience, but, you know, I can put together things that I love into one little package. Uh, I've, I've said man, on many occasions that, you know, I podcast for the enjoyment of podcasting and to talk to my friends and to, you know, just geek out on different topics. But in the same respect, I always say, you know, well, if nobody's listening, then why am I doing it? Uh, that doesn't mean that it can't be a smaller, more focused audience it just means there needs to be an audience yeah just it needs to be the right people the right audience that's the important thing exactly i agree totally and uh i'll be listening when the time comes awesome well between now and then i've got a 5k and a 10k and a lot of studying to do (laughs) good luck with all of that still on topic my 5k in june of 2022 is actually going to take place in six flags in st louis where the Batman ride is and DC stuff. So I'm, I'll be actually running through the theme park. <laughs> very cool. Actually, so, that is, that is very cool. It's DC. It's DC superhero theme. You can choose Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. And I chose Batman this time. Uh, good luck again. And thanks again for coming on my friend. And oh, thanks for having me. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time. Kapla. Oh wait, wrong show. <laughs> <laughs>
I go so cheap? I thought you'd be curious. You think I could offer this stuff? Don't you? Ha, 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 ha,